When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Yukon Football Pod. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Luke Swanson and Tucker Warner. A very special edition of the podcast, a post-FBS win edition for the first time since the starting of this podcast and the 2019 season, Yukon has toppled an FBS opponent. It was an unexpected one if we were going to guess at what the first FBS win of the season would be for Yukon. But at any rate, the Huskies prevailed 19-14 to over Fresno State on a cold, rainy day at the Rent in East Hartford. The Huskies were down by one point at the half. They were down by two points late in the fourth quarter, but Zion Turner led the team on a 95-yard touchdown drive that was capped off by Backup running back Devontae Houston playing with an injury. Lots of grit for this team. I think a lot of performances to be proud of. Luke, what did you think about the upset effort by the UConn football Huskies? I think that it was about best case scenario with uh, how this team can play this year. I think they absolutely played. Uh, really one of the one of the better games that they could play based on their potential. The defense was rock solid, just one of the best defensive performances I can remember from not I can <laughs> I can certainly remember better defensive performances from UConn in my lifetime, but one of the best defensive performances in uh, the past couple of years, especially in the in that uh, Randy in the uh, post second Randy Edsel era, and especially against an FBS opponent. So that was really the highlight of the game for me. Um, the 95-yard drive, uh, Zion Turner really stepped it up uh, uh, to uh, help get UConn the win there. I think that was a really, uh, really validating, validating couple minutes of football for him. And, yeah, we'll get into more of the offense and defense later, but I just think a good all-around win for UConn uh, maybe helps a little with, uh, with turnover luck and and everything but on on its face it's pretty much they played as well as they could have played yeah and i I mean i think that everything really starts with this game uh from uconn totally shutting down fresno state's run game uh this team didn't have I, i think a single player you know average really anything on the ground like anything that you would expect from an above average uh offensive rushing performance and they really forced the ball into the hands of logan fife the backup quarterback replacing jay kaner who he is one of the better quarterbacks in FBS and Logan Fife, you know, a sophomore who had a little bit of game experience, but not exactly the type of guy that you want leading your offense, uh, especially if you have hopes of winning the Mountain West. And they've forced him to make plays, which he really, for the most part, didn't make. And that's not to say that Logan Fife was terrible. Um, UConn's defense did have their hands full, but shutting down the run entirely meant that they were forcing him to make more difficult throws and get a little fast and loose with the ball. Sometimes he did throw two picks. Uh, there's a fumble or two and 
yeah, basically just the game plan, uh, starting with the front seven and winning the battle of the trenches was what turned the tide in this game. And it's just a really encouraging performance against a team that honestly, I'm not really sure we had any business playing with, with as many injuries as we had. Yeah. Not to make this a Fresno state podcast either, but I, as, uh, as disappointed as I was to, to not be able to see Hainer in person, uh, I think that his uh, absence from that game really was one of the bigger difference makers uh, in, in the result. And um, he's a great player. Hopefully, hopefully he gets healthy and uh, has a good rest of the season. But yeah, it, it's that, that was a factor of it. But I just want to stress how good UConn's defense was in mm-hmm. that game. It's, it's really been a while since we've seen that level of competence on, on that side of the ball. They didn't really do anything special. Not a whole lot of gimmicks there. Just really good uh, beat the man in front of your defense. Yeah, and I think no matter what the Fresno State injury situation is, you know, UConn is is where it is. And and as we've discussed, just trying to look for signs of, of FBS-level competence, right, is where we were this offseason. We saw maybe some signs of that in the early part of this season. And lots of credit to Jim Mora, the staff, the players, for powering through a really tough stretch of season against Syracuse, Michigan, NC State. You know, that's um, two two top 10 teams and, you know, whatever we are comfortable calling Syracuse, but they're at least pretty good and, and on the fringe of the of the top 25. So it turned out that was the tough, tough three-game stretch. And Fresno was a game where UConn had a chance. Maybe it was because of injuries on their side, some players who didn't come and travel. Uh, again, no matter what, this is a big win for, for UConn. Uh, and I think what they're demonstrating just by playing a a tight competitive game, by going out and giving their, their best possible effort after three weeks of overwhelming evidence that they are not good, you know, which is, which is just how it turns out when you play those, those elite teams, they really, they really showed that they're capable of something and, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it, it is a, a point where you start to say, okay, well, you, you've got two wins on the season. You've got FIU and, and UMass still to go. And if UConn was competitive against Fresno State, maybe we raise our expectations for the games against Ball State, Liberty, Boston College, maybe even Army. So. That's that's all really, really exciting. It's a thing we have not felt in October with UConn football since 2015, I, I would say. And so all of that is is really great for everyone involved. And that includes guys like Ian Swenson, you know, who was who was recruited by Bob Diaco uh, and has been part of this team for a very long time, getting to experience some of the things that he experienced getting an interception in that game, being a leader on the defense as it made so many important stops um, and, and uh, turnovers throughout the game. Uh, that's great. That's, that's what it's all about. And sign of tremendous progress uh, doing that against a team that beat you 45, nothing at the very first game in the start of last year. Yeah. I think that I, you guys know, I'm not really, one to buy into uh, the, the coaches speak of creating a culture, creating a winning attitude, 
that kind of thing. I, I, I kind of tend to, to b- believe it when I see it in the results on the field. But I think that the fact that UConn was able to go here and even play Fresno State tough, let alone win after uh, two of the most demoralizing results that uh, that we kind of knew would have happened were on the schedule going in at NC State and Michigan, and another demoralizing result against Syracuse that maybe was even more crushing because there were actually expectations heading into that game. I think to, to go through those three results and then uh, then come out here and, and get a win against Fresno State really, really speaks to this team not just lying down and folding like like previous uh, previous last couple of years of UConn football. So I think there is a little something to be said there. Yeah, and I mean, really for me, all I was looking for out of this year was progress. I know that I was on the more optimistic side of realism going into this season, uh, but I, I did not even have this game pegged as one of the six that I thought UConn could plausibly win. Uh, obviously, there's a little bit of injury that, you know, uh, had to happen in order for Fresno State to not quite play like Fresno State offensively. Uh, But at the same time, you know, if we're comparing injuries and saying, you know, all this is happening in a perfect world, well, then UConn shouldn't have been in this game at all. So I think this is the biggest sign of progress that we've seen yet. Uh, It's obviously not a hot take right there. Uh, Really beating any FBS team at home is uh, technically and literally progress that has not been made in six years at this point. So with all that being said, I think getting this level of play from, you know, an offense that's currently made up of pretty much entirely underclassmen uh, from a defense that's just kind of right now a little bit mismatched. Uh, Not everything is fitting well entirely together, but like between the leadership that the defense had, the quality of play they were able to provide and the offense really just executing the grinded out game plan, even though that does not require the most skill. The fact that like a group this young is able to go up against a pretty solid FBS level defense and just execute the game plan and grind out possessions. I believe they had, what, 71 offensive plays to uh, Fresno State's 48. Uh, That's exactly what they talked about wanting to do before the game, was to win the time of possession, get the defense off the field for a while, and make sure they're actually able to play their best. And that's finally what happened this week. And Sure, we could say that's because this is the first game in a while where UConn has not played a terribly strong opponent. Um, Certainly, Fresno State is not as good as NC State or Michigan or even Syracuse somehow. Uh, But the fact is, this is the best team that UConn has beaten in a very, very, very long time. And honestly, I think that was a convincing win. Absolutely. They, they outplayed them completely. They outgained them by a significant margin. They won the time of possession 36 minutes to 23. The total yards was 313 to 187. As you mentioned, ran almost a third, you know, more plays. They were more efficient on the ground and through the air. And, um, you know, the defense showed out in a solid way, but I think the offense was also good enough in a way that is notable and and admirable as well given so many different circumstances including zion turner who we finally got to see chuck the ball downfield a little bit um and and i also want to call out the performance of running backs uh Devontae houston and and victor rosa i think um and robert burns i i think yukon is looking for someone to step up obviously with with nate carter out 
Houston is playing through an injury, uh, which he maybe should not be playing throughs or should definitely at least be taking it easy through, um, uh, really stepping up and, and helping the UConn offense go They're They're able to take advantage of, of their proven strength, which I'm very pleased to say is the offensive line and it's run blocking, um, uh, pleased, but, but very surprised they're doing a good job at that. Uh, Nate Carter goes down, but they're still able to run at a decent clip. The running backs were at least running at a decent, decent clip of over four yards per carry. Um, so I also think the offense did a good job of doing enough to win. And yeah, just against where expectations were, you know, this was a 24 point spread for this football game. Uh, and I don't think, you know, bad weather is the reason it wasn't a high scoring game. So uh, yeah, lots of credit to UConn. This was not a fluke victory. Uh, and, and for all of those, you know, they were four for four in the red zone. They were, they were disruptive in the back. You know, they were doing all the things that ta- tackle football things that we have not seen uh, in a very long time. So I think um, lots of encouraging stuff and plenty to build on going into the back half of the schedule. Now that six games complete for the UConn Huskies. Yeah, I just want to shout out a couple areas of the offense that I think did do well on on a day where the unit as a whole, I guess, wasn't really the shining star. I think like like you you brought you're both saying the offensive line. I think it's a, a really big part of the success uh, for them in that game was the fact that this offensive line has stayed the same through uh, most of the same through the entire season. They've had a, a lot of experience together, and they haven't been really the, the glaring weakness in any of the games, even the games where the, where UConn had absolutely nothing going on offense. The, the line was really, was moving people around and they, they were, uh, they were moving people around again this weekend. They were doing a really good job uh, uh, paving the way for, uh, for uh, Devontae Houston, uh, a bunch of different, uh, different uh, cool little uh, run blocking schemes uh, that uh, kind of stood out that were, that were interesting to watch. And Houston, to his credit, he, I think he really stepped up and established himself as the, the quote unquote number two running back behind uh, Carter. And with Carter out, it became the starting running back, really. So I, I think that he, he had a very good game. Uh, in my eyes, he's, I really like his running style. He, he's kind of, he's kind of all arms and legs, really just a bit of a, bit of a gangly guy. Uh, dancing around out there, but can also uh, put a shoulder down and run through you if, uh, if he so chooses. And then again, uh, uh, receiver who stepped up a ton when UConn needed him, uh, Kevin Corpsius, obviously two huge catches on the two really, <laughs> really seems like the only two downfield shots that the offense has taken the entire year. But uh, one, he made an adjustment to maybe, uh, maybe a little underthrown pass from Turner. That was the uh, revert, uh, double reverse trick play. Uh, quarterback lining up at receiver throw, and then uh, uh, he uh, he he mossed a guy. He uh, mossed a guy in that uh, final possession to uh, set up the to set up the touchdown. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, it's not I haven't seen too much of that this year, to be completely honest. So uh, I think Corsius is one of the one of the unsung heroes of the uh, of the day for UConn. 
Yeah, I, I can talk about the the running game a little bit because, you know, where we are with the injuries right now uh, to Nate Carter, to Brian Bruton, to uh, the transfer of Will Knight, it does leave Devontae Houston as basically the only running back on this roster right now who's expected to get carries before the season started. Um, Houston, for to his credit, has been pretty awesome in the role of starting running back, and he was really good in the role of backup running back also. Um but I don't know if any of this happens if he's not playing as well as he is right now. Uh, that's not to knock necessarily the rest of the offense entirely, but that is noting that uh, if you take a look at who's lighting up in the backfield for the Huskies right now, you're going to see a lot of guys who probably should not have been expected to uh, get too much PT before the start of the year. Uh, Victor Rosa, obviously going to be a good player. It's pretty remarkable that he's playing pretty solidly as a true freshman for this team. Uh, he's also averaging 2.9 yards per carry right now. That's not the sort of guy that you'd typically be able to win too many games with as a starter right now. And again, that's not his fault. He's a true freshman. He really should not be in this position just yet. So because of that and because of what we have behind Houston right now, I think if he doesn't play the way that he does, I, I don't know how many games we're going to be in at all. Uh, so hope to God he stays healthy is basically the big thing right now. Um, but really need to shout out uh, just how well he's been playing and just how important Devonta Houston has been to this entire offense in providing them with multiple looks, in simply just getting the job done. Uh, really anything you can ask for out of a running back right now who's been kind of thrust into a position where he might not have envisioned himself as the starter or the team wasn't prepared uh, to push him into that role just yet. But he has stepped up big time, big time, big time. And I mean, enough credit cannot possibly go to Devontae Houston right now. Yeah, lot, lots of credit to go around for this team. I think you also have to give some credit to Nick Charlton, offensive coordinator, for getting them through this and finding something that works. We saw a little bit of opening it up, not just in terms of going deep, a little trick trickeration. We saw the two quarterback offense that we have been calling for. Loudly. I have wanted this for so long, so long. I have wanted this. So um, I think, I think again, credit to them for, for some of that creativity and getting them, uh, you know, being able to get downfield at some times when the offense was a little stagnant. Hey, that's great. That's the whole point of trick plays. So glad that we are seeing some imagination uh, from the offense. And again, you know, we, we were talking about before this game, just hoping UConn can open it up a little bit. Um, that's the case right now. And um, you have to imagine we're going to start to see more of the same, not to look too far ahead, but, you know, the team's going to be playing uh, FIU next on the road. They're actually, the Huskies are going to be favored. So now we're expecting also, I think, Zion Turner to be able to build on this. Hopefully we start to see down the road in the coming games, uh, a little bit more opening up of the offense, more of him gaining confidence and being able to throw that intermediate and deep ball and make a few more reads. And I'm starting to, you know, maybe think about readjusting win projections for, for the rest of this season. How are you guys feeling based off of the very unexpected win over Fresno State? How does that impact your, your thoughts about some of the future games on the schedule, such as Ball State, Liberty, Boston College, Army, now that we know a little bit more about both teams involved in the equation. 
Six and six is still in play, baby. That's what I'm talking about with this win right here. Uh, you swap out Syracuse for Fresno State in my preseason, the six teams UConn could plausibly beat. I think bowl eligibility is still very technically on the table. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, more importantly, it does give me hope that these road games coming up against FIU and Ball State are a lot more winnable than I thought they were going into this past week. Uh, I, I think even getting back to four and four before the bye week is just an absolutely huge win for this entire program, you know, from the players to the coaches to everybody who bought in at the administrative level. And if that's in play, then hey, you, we're in really good shape right now. So, you know, we'll have to reevaluate what UConn's going to look like after the bye week as they're going to face a couple tougher opponents in BC and Liberty and Army as opposed to FIU and Ball State. Um, I know Ball State's been playing pretty solidly this year, at least compared to usual, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, these are two teams that UConn can beat. Um, I think that they are going to have a pretty good shot of winning on the road. Uh, then they've got that all important bye week. Uh, maybe we get some guys back who could really help out. Uh, but as long as they just get past FIU uh, and hopefully also Ball State, this is this is a team that's in good shape. Yeah. Speaking of getting guys back, I saw today that uh, Keelan Marion uh, had uh, suited up for practice. So, mm. so uh, good certainly, stuff. Certainly some good news. Are really kind of kind of a cross your fingers moment. I don't know. It, personally, I didn't expect him to be back before the end of the year. But if he is, then that's pretty tremendous. But yeah, in terms of expectations uh, for UConn football, I think going forward, I think that the two wins that we should expect haven't really changed a whole lot. It's still FIU and UMass. I, before before this win, I, I still expect them to get those uh, get those two victories just because those are two uh, pretty pretty dire teams uh, this year. But in terms of jumping up and uh, biting some other teams that are left in the schedule, I think that it definitely increased my confidence at least a little bit that UConn can, uh, UConn can pull an upset, which uh, I feel, make no mistake. I, I think the win over Fresno State can still be qualified as an up, upset just because of the length that the distance that Fresno had to travel to get here and uh, they're, they're missing players. Uh, but UConn did outplay them pretty, pretty thoroughly. So I think that, those circumstances can certainly happen to ball state or BC or Liberty, but it's, it's definitely in play. And I'd say a good bit more in play after uh, seeing what UConn did this weekend than before that, because they prove they proved to me that they can do it. They can take advantage of a team's weaknesses and outplay them. Whereas before I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So it's definitely encouraging, and well, it doesn't change the number of expected wins I have for them this year. It definitely, definitely bumps all of them percentage-wise up a, up a, up a good percentage. So, yeah, I would say you know I'm at the point where you know the FIU and UMass games were were again since August, since what you know whenever the schedule was set, circled on the calendar. Um. I'm going to continue to beat the drum of the possibility of an upset at Army, who I do think is vulnerable a little bit. I continue to watch closely as they look not dominant against uh, lots of different teams. Again, we're talking about Ar Army was like a nine, nine-ish win team a lot of years, a lot of the past couple of years. 
Uh, I don't think they're that level of team. That's that's all I'm saying about them. And then, you know, if UConn is competent, then the size thing is a big deal uh, for UConn's advantage in terms of playing against Army. Uh, and yeah, it's like in the past, yeah, if you bring an FCS caliber roster over to go play one of those teams, things go badly. But maybe UConn, maybe UConn can compete. Maybe it's a trap game with the army navy game on the horizon um but i'm going to i'm going to beat the drum of that possibility um i i i i totally agree and understand that that we're not ready to call something like ball state or liberty or boston college um an expected win but i i am at the point where i'm like huh you know i know tucker's at tucker's at six wins but i i'm like you know Look, five is definitely possible, and um, again, hey, that that is really exciting. That would be exciting for UConn, even if it's four, even if they take care of business per our expectations right now and beat FIU and UMass. I think we would all call it a successful season if UConn were to beat those three teams that it, those three teams, uh, including Central. And Fresno State, we would say, wow, that, what, a, what a successful season. So I think, you know, that, that, that makes this win really, really meaningful because it's like you did just a whole lot of work in the interest of us being able to reasonably call this uh, a successful first campaign for Jim Mora, which, you know, is, is pretty crazy and wild stuff to be talking about uh, at this point in the first week of October. Yeah. And, you know, UConn's got history with, uh, you know, going on losing streaks and then all of a sudden pulling off a bunch of wins to end off their season. Uh, if anybody remembers 2010, when they went from three and four uh, to the Fiesta Bowl. So, uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. And obviously UConn, it, there's going to be a range of options that could plausibly happen for the end of the season. Uh, it is just as possible that they get to my upper limit of six wins as it is that the injuries completely catch up to them and they're not really competitive against any half-competent team. Uh, I'm certainly hoping that the bottom end that I just presented, the worst case scenario, does not happen, but this is a team that's got a lot of injuries halfway through the season. And if a couple more guys get hurt and they're out for the year, well, then that's going to be a gigantic problem as opposed to right now when it's just a very, very, very big problem. So a lot of different things could still happen here. Uh, I'm hoping and trying to present the most optimistic side possible. Uh, I, I do think that they're going to have a good chance of winning, you know, it, at least two to three more games here for the rest of the season. But it, it's going to take um, some buy-in from the entire team, and it's going to make it's it's going to take a little bit more luck than we might be accustomed to in that. And that I think is where this uncertainty comes into play as we try to project these last few games uh, in the second half of the season. You know, on that front, I do think that there are a couple of positions where they can eat an injury or two. I think on the offense and defensive lines, I think offensive, like, again, like offensive line, they're pretty deep there, and they have had the same starting five for most of the year. And defensive line, they've been rotating like crazy. Maybe the depth catches up to them there, but I, I think that uh, they haven't had injuries at those two positions as of yet. And that those would probably be the two least impact, least impactful injuries or mm -hmm. position groups to have uh, injuries in. 
I think the only defensive line injury is Colin McCarthy, and I don't believe he's out for the season, right? He he is not out for the season, but yeah, I, I think right, and and uh, you know, there is also even the possibility of some health returning to the team, and uh, maybe someone being able to get back, like a Keelan Marion, who could give an instant boost to the offense, which which would be tremendous, but. I also think, you know, in a season like this one, which is already meant to be a developmental one for UConn, why not develop some of the depth on the roster and make sure Keelan Marion is really healthy for a 2023 season where, um, you know, things might be really interesting and we might be talking about having um, some real mid, mid-level mid expectations for, for UConn football, which, again, is all really interesting and exciting stuff. Tucker, I thought it was funny that you said the Fiesta Bowl is neither here nor there. I'm going to share a fun inside scoop from my reporting on the Randy Edsel era, the second one. Um, This is something that multiple players and secondhand from coaches that I heard, like coaches who were friends of the coach on staff, that Randy Edsel, his second time around at UConn, could not stop bringing up the Fiesta Bowl season. It was a constant reference that he would make. It was something that he would use to justify decision-making. It was a frequent story. So so while it may have been a historical occurrence of, of 12 or 11 years ago, the history and lore is deeply ingrained in many players on the roster who has to suffer through four years of Randy Edsel, including one year where they didn't get to play freaking games. So uh, I think the Fiesta Bowl story is very much um, in the minds of many of these uh, elder statesmen on the team, at least. And maybe that possibility of, of winning out the balance of the schedule is something that motivates them, something they know about because they've been, they've been training, but yeah, it was, I had heard from multiple people separately that Randy Edsel would between the years of 2017 and 2021 could not stop talking about the Fiesta Bowl. That's so funny to me, Doug, to have to justify all of your terrible decisions because of one season where you lucked into a conference championship, just completely, completely conditions beyond your control were, were the cause of this. And then just going in, into the game and getting your ass absolutely cleaned, just whooped up and down the field, and having that be the one, be the one, the the one thing that you can hang your head on your second go around is, I got my butt kicked in a New York Six Bowl once, and that's why I'm right about everything. It was a bad look. It was a bad look on and off the field, as as we all experienced. I will say, having been at the 2011 Fiesta Bowl as a fan. Uh, this was even before my, my blogging days. Um, it was a fun experience. Uh, UConn was closer than it looked kind of late in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> UConn, we were getting was there. Down, UConn was down by one touchdown, uh, you know, eight points, I think, at one point in the third and maybe even fourth quarters which is pretty, uh, pretty good. The final score did not uh, end up kind to the Huskies, but um, 
on that day, we felt like anything was possible. Uh, unfortunately, we did not know that anything meant the lowest of lows for 11 straight years. <laughs> so at any rate, there has been a lot of, you know, criticism from the outside and inside of the Jim Mora hire, uh, the departure of a defensive coordinator before the season, some other stuff, some other rumblings. Um, so far has acquitted himself quite nicely. And again, you know, this Fresno State win, it's got to be one of the, it's got to be the biggest upset in UConn history. I'm having a hard time finding anything to, to refute that information. And uh, it's, it's a big, important, meaningful one for you. I, we're, you know, we're just not prepared for this because we've expected nothing but disappointment for so long. Uh, this is a, this is a really tremendous thing that happened. They earned it. There's no, um, you know, again, there's, there's really very little you can say to detract from the accomplishment that it is for the people involved. Um, so yeah, great, great on, on everyone. You ever been so down bad as a program that a 1914 win in the pounding rain and wind feels like euphoria? Uh, Cause I'm there right now and I love it. This is great. I can't even insult us because this is so awesome. Uh, I I'm, overjoyed with uh with emotion about this win right now uh disappointed that i didn't get to experience that one from the uh the stands at pause arf uh slash the rent whatever nickname you want to give it uh but that is it, it's just fun and i i'm so happy that like the rest of the season feels meaningful for the first time in what feels like forever um i, I think since uh was the last bowl year 2015 correct me if i'm wrong um but i yeah, I, I can't remember the last time that there are going to be meaningful games being played from this UConn team in late October to say nothing about November as it appears it's going to go. So here we are. Uh, this is a very, very quick turnaround, If even if it only ends up being like a three or four win season, just because of that buy-in that everybody is going to have at the end of the year. Yes, I think it's great that the rest of the football matters. I think that's that's such a huge point. And just seeing UConn at a, you know, moving in the direction of FBS competence is, is so huge. Uh, I think one of the real issues that has harmed UConn, its reputation uh, over the years has just been this idea that UConn is like a wasteland. Like, it's, it's a place where you can't succeed, you know, and, and that it's a untenable situation that should move down to FCS or whatever. And then, you know, the Randy Edsalera does not do a whole lot to dissuade people from that, from that opinion. And then it continues to grow. And so I think one of the most important things that is uh, that we can take away from this start to the Jim Mora era, which again is already going better than expected, is that it's not impossible to succeed in Connecticut at FBS football. And I think that's such a huge, huge, you know, point to get past because you have to argue it so often with people. And it's just kind of like, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like Temple succeeds in the AAC, Buffalo succeeds in the MAC, UConn can absolutely succeed in its current situation. So that's an important uh, piece of information being proven 
by Jim Mora and the staff. The situation is not dire. The university support is not at a level that does not support a coach properly, uh, contrary to the beliefs of a Southeastern Connecticut newspaper columnist. So, um, yeah, good, good signs abound. Yeah, I think that it's very important to note that UConn has been far below regular bad for a very long time. And even if they go four and eight this year, by a lot of program standards, that's regular bad. That is a vast improvement on on what UConn has been uh, has been experiencing for the past three years at least. So it's just a, like what we've been saying this basically this entire podcast history. It's a matter of getting back from far beneath the water, just to the surface, just to gasp your fur. You're, you're coming back up from the very bottom to get to baseline, and that's that's really the long and short of it. That's that's what the goal is right now, this season, and I'd say even next season, is just to get back up to baseline, uh, quote-unquote, bad, and then building from there. So, I, and I think that a 4-8 and eight season, even, dare I say, 5-7 and seven season this year would, uh, would accomplish that. But, again, like Tucker said, Got to make sure the injuries don't completely wipe you out. Got to make sure that you take care of business against Ford International and UMass, the two teams that you're expected to take care of business against. So for, <laughs> no, no more playing with house money after this game. Uh, it's very tempting to go that route, but you got to get serious if you if you want to if you want to show that this wasn't a complete fluke and only happened because the team had to travel three thousand miles and was missing their best offensive and defensive players. <laughs> Gotta go out there and prove it. Nothing's nothing set in stone. Well, you know the old adage: if you can't win at Ricardo Silva Stadium, you can't win anywhere. So I think, in that sense, this weekend's game is going to be a huge test. I, I was going to use a famous adage as well. I was going to adapt it. Michael Jordan once famously said, "The ceiling is the roof." I'm going to say, four is the floor for this Ooh, season." It rhymes, so it's got to be. I like it. Four is the floor. That is my war chant for UConn football this season. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening.